and good morning. I am your host, Tino Hove. And uh, today we are going to be having a conversation with uh, Rita and Eileen. Uh, we're going to be talking about mood disorders and uh, mental health um, in this current uh, situation and predicament we find ourselves in as a society. Hey, Rita. Hey, Eileen. How are you guys doing? Hey, how are you? Thank you for having us. I'm doing great, and, uh, and I, I love to have you guys on the show. Why don't you guys tell us a bit about yourselves and what you do? Okay, um, I, I guess the, I'll start. I'm yep. Rita Chahal. I'm the Executive Director of Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. Mm -hmm. um, and I do what executive directors do is have a great team of people like Eileen who help us, uh, uh, you know, deliver programs, develop new programming. Um, and as an organization, um, uh, mood disorders uh, really is a very community-based organization. Uh, focusing on the wellness of, uh, of our community, the wellness of people's uh, mental health. Um, and, and so what we do is, uh, is provide peer-to-peer -peer support. Uh, we're not a clinical uh, organization that we provide clinical intervention, but when necessary, we ensure that people have access to those resources. Um, and, and we recommend if that's what they need, whether it's hospitalization or, or seeking another professional um, uh, services, then we direct people into that. But what's, what we find that people reach out to us for is peer-to-peer -peer support. And what that means is they deal with staff and volunteers who have either had lived experience uh, or shared experience uh, with mental health. And so as a result of that, we have some very qualified staff uh, who also have background in, in um, social work or in, in uh, um, yeah, mental health uh, uh, disorders or, or in, uh, you know, uh, psychiatry and psychology, um, as, as well as volunteers who have lived experience in, in many of those areas. So uh, with that combination, we're able to really serve this community well, and we do it province-wide. Eileen, mm -hmm. um, you want to tell a little bit about the programming end uh, and introduce yourself? For sure. So uh, my name is Eileen McDonald. Um, so I've been working with mood disorders uh, just since June, uh, but I was a volunteer for two years before I got hired on as a um, MAD camp leader for our youth throughout the summertime. Um, from there, I uh, started working as a program administrator, helping Rita with the Run for Women's Mental Health initiatives. And then she promoted me to the Women's Programming Coordinator, which I get to um, develop different uh, programs for women in the community. Um, I do things such as host a support group for women on Thursday nights. We also have a postpartum warm line and text line that we operate. And then um, we're also hosting a women's mental health speaker series that I can share more information to you, I think, towards the end once we tell you everything that mood disorders does. So this is just the women's section. We have a bunch of other programs. We have youth programs. We have a friendly uh, caller program. Um, we have the peer support that Rita was talking about um, online for different support groups such as borderline personality disorder, mixed group, youth, women, um, and so on. So there's a lot of work that we do for our community here at Mood Disorders and looking forward to sharing all that with you guys. Awesome. Let's let's get start, let's dive into a bit of that peer-to-peer -peer support you were talking about. Um, tell us a bit more about what the value of peer-to-peer -peer support, what it and what it involves. 
Okay, I'll, I'll talk from it from an organizational perspective and, and Eileen can perhaps talk about it more from a, um, a, a more relatable and, and the programming uh, end of it and what she does. Peer-to-peer um, -peer support is really um, important part of a healing and, and um, wellness journey for an individual. Um, it's, it's, you need absolute that, that uh, clinical intervention, whether, you're, whether it's medication or whether it's hospitalization or other professional um, uh, healthcare provider care. But knowing someone or talking to someone and, or listening to someone who might have ex had the same experience as you, um, whether it's a physical illness, uh, you know, if you deal with somebody who has got cancer and you're talking, or whether it's a, an emotional um, or um, a mental health issue, knowing that someone has gone through that process and has some understanding and empathy um, uh, and, and can share their, their journey and share their, their, what they did to cope with things um, is an extremely valuable part of the healing process. And so having that, um, I think, is what uh, makes uh, organizations like Mood Disorders uh, one that people can come to comfortably in a confidential um, uh, and trusted manner because they know that the people who, that they'll be talking to know what this journey is about. They know what, what, what they've gone through and can help support them. And of course, uh, often there it forges um, uh, friendships, uh, long-lasting sometimes. Um, but again, we are very, very careful to ensure that we maintain people's confidentiality. Uh, we protect their um, identity. We make sure that people are comfortable um, in, 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 in sharing their, their journey with us. Uh, but the other piece that is really important is that we, we really try to meet people where they are at in their journey, rather than a top down and say, you need this, you need this, you need this. We wait for people to tell us what it is they need and then provide that support. And I think Eileen can perhaps share a little bit more uh, uh, on that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, just talking about the lived experience part and how important that is and what Rita said is where we, we meet people with where they're at. And that was the reason why I wanted to become involved with this organization. Um, because before I started volunteering for mood disorders, um, I was actually going through my own um, mental health and family crises, and um, I needed support for a loved one who suffered with addictions, and I had nowhere to turn to. I mean, um, I've called several organizations within the community, but it's very hard to get the help for someone if they are not willing to get the help themselves. So I got referred to talk to um, Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba to use their peer support line. And what was different about that conversation is that what Rita said, the people met me with where I'm at. So I wasn't, I wasn't looking for an instant solution because I, I had no control over this individual. I was just looking for someone to listen to me and to relate to me and uh, provide me support and a compassionate ear to say, you know what, I've been through that too. I understand how you're feeling. What do you do for self-care? And, you know, um, just focus in on my current state and how, how to de-escalate a heightened situation and to calm me down. Um, and that's done through uh, connection, right? So, um, for example, Rita was also saying, um, how does this relate to our programs? We have two very specific programs that I uh, 
would like to mention our postpartum warm line that is ran by um, midwives as well as other mothers who have experienced postpartum so they really know how to approach the phone call when they receive a call about postpartum depression from a parent and we also have a very specific program that i mentioned our borderline personality um, online support group who is ran by one of our staff who actually struggles with uh, borderline personality disorder um, themselves so they're more able to relate to the people who are coming to get our services and um, I think that relatedness is what drives us um, apart from more of the clinical um, aspect of mental health. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, Rita. I was just going to say that sometimes people will just come for us a one time, and other times they might come on a more repeated basis. Um, and sometimes people are just looking for a friendly ear, not necessarily tell them what to do but someone that they can just vent to and talk to. Because I get so many calls um, uh, from people in the community who are really struggling with where to find resources and, or, or they just need to talk and say, I'm, you know, my child is going through this. I just don't know what to do. I'm banging my head against the wall. And often one of the things that I do, I, I, I just help calm them down. I just listen to them. I share with them whatever resources we can. Um, and that's all they, they might need at that time. There are, of course, others who come back on a regular basis because they need that additional support. So I think that's really important. It's that it's not something once you once you come out to meet disorders, you're going to be a client forever. No, you may want to be a client forever. That's great, and we and we we welcome that. But you may just need that one day you're feeling really down about something, and you just want to talk to someone, and, and we're here for that. Um, the other uh, program that we find has really uh, emerged uh, during this COVID um, uh, and is based on, on the kind of calls we were getting uh, is our friendly caller program where people are just really feeling isolated and lonely and just sad and just don't know how to, to deal with this. And, and we were seeing that they were ca calling us on a regular basis. So what we decided that we would, uh, kind of, you know, make sure that we, the people who are calling us on a regular basis, we would check in on them on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And so we, we kind of, you know, uh, we have a staff and volunteers who check in on them on once in a while, uh, like on a, on a fairly regular basis. And, and so they make sure that they've taken their medications or did they get to the bank or, or whatever it is that they might be needing, or did someone come to see them? How are they managing for groceries? Um, just little things that people just want to feel like they're cared for and that they have a connection with somebody. So those are the kinds of things we, we try to ensure that people feel supported and cared for, particularly in this time of um, unprecedented times of, of extreme isolation and loneliness. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up where you're like someone who just calls and checks up on them. Because that is such a small thing that I feel that people don't realize just how important it is and how 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 far that goes, right? You know, and I, I can talk from experience, you know, like, so I'm an international student. I came here for the first time. So when you come for the first time, you don't have someone who calls to check up on you because you haven't met anyone, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You know, and, and that feeling of knowing that you're cared for is very important. And I'd, I'd like to kind of highlight, you know, and you can add to this is just, the people, if you have someone around, you just call them, send them a text message, right? Mm -hmm. Saying, hi, how are you? How are you doing? 
in the in and sometimes people get scared of just that you know oh man now i have to talk to them for like five hours <laughs> you know oh no, but mm-hmm. like sometimes it's just hey man i just want to make sure you eat that's you it know? that's all you know and, and then that's the end of the conversation so i think that's a really impactful service it's kind of a on-demand friendship it's a, it's a really becoming very popular with the, the the demand for that program is really uh, escalating uh, we're trying we're offering it province-wide uh, when we're really grateful to the volunteers and the staff who are who are taking this on but uh, certainly if there's others who want to participate in, in our friendly caller program both in terms of wanting our services but also wanting to help volunteer and 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 do something and, and be engaged with the community we welcome those opportunities so uh, it, the, the program is very dependent on um, uh, certainly having the right staff to help coordinate and monitor and, and make sure that we have all uh, the, the things that are necessary to deliver program but we also de- depend a lot on the volunteers uh, who, who can make those calls. Yeah, I, I just wanted to, to add to that quickly. Like, you know, in these times right now where people are very isolated and lonely, right? Um, just for, for me, culturally, it's, it seems like this is a more, you know, isolated, you know, you know, culture that we had, you know, even before we got into COVID, right? Um, do you have any coping mechanisms to kind of deal with the increased isolation and increased, you know, um, yeah, that, that increased you know, isolation that people are feeling right now that they can kind of take away as a little nugget um, from the conversation. Eileen, do you want to take that one first? Yeah, for sure. Um, for coping, I think um, one thing that I can relate uh, and bring you guys back to with what Reed just said is how um, with our Friendly Caller program, we will sometimes do calls and ensure, hey, have you um, paid your bills today? Have you um, gone out for groceries. That part of coping, the self-care, um, I think there is um, there are so many ways to in to immerse yourself into self-care, such as what people will name as bubble baths, candles, diffusers, and that stuff is very important. It relaxes you. Um, mindfulness meditations they relax you. But an important aspect that we don't see is the the things for self-care that are hard to do. So, for example, um, what we were saying, what Rita was saying earlier, and I think especially for students, self-care can look like going to student accessibility services to get the resources that they need. It can look like talking to a counselor. That's self-care, too. And that are, those are ways that uh, they will be better equipped to cope because they will learn these new skills and learn about more resources to better help them in the future with um ongoing um, mental health concerns. Yeah. Um, and I would add to that is that just simply um, not, and not being afraid to ask for help and, 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 to, and to show your vulnerability. Like vulnerability is really courage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's a courageous act to, 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 to expose yourself and to say, I need help. So, so not to be afraid of that. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, but also things like exercise and diet, uh, which are an integral part of the self-care. Often we can, okay, we can meditate and we can, uh, you know, take baths and, and things like those are really, really nice, uh, nice things to do. And they'll, as Eileen said, they relax you. But the other really key things about maintaining routine to make, making sure that, you know, 
your health, um, you know, and well, other wellness part, your, your physical uh, well-being as well, are really, so it's a very, there are many layers of complexity in, in that uh, self-care that, that we need to talk about. It's not just always um, those, um, those uh, sort of, I, I hate to say those fashionable things that we yep. can all talk about, get the scented candles, and <laughs> very important, but, um, but it has to be part of a, a, a regime and a routine that you take care of yourself, both physically and mentally. Yeah, and you spoke about you. You're hosting, I think, it was a women's speaker series. Mm -hmm. Eileen is, is is in charge. That we're so excited about it. We're launching it tonight. So, Eileen, you talk about this for sure. It's super exciting. So, um, tonight and um, going forward until March 25th, every Thursday at 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Central Time on mm -hmm. Facebook Live. If people just tune in to um, Mood Disorders, we will be hosting a women's speakers mental health series. Um, so, for example, tonight we have our keynote speaker, Samra Zafar. She's well-known. Um, she's an international uh, speaker. She's a mental health advocate, a humanitarian. She's written her own books. She's an international bestseller. And um, she's going to be talking to us about building the muscle of resiliency. And then going forward, we're also going to be talking to different nutritionists, uh, therapists, and then just everyday ordinary women who have extraordinary stories about their recovery process and what worked for them. So it's very inspirational. I highly recommend people to check us out. Um, yeah, all the information again is on our Facebook page or you can follow us on Instagram. So this year we have um, uh, the Women's Wellness Program that has, uh, again, Eileen has, has started that a few weeks ago. We've got volunteers uh, uh, delivering that um, and, um, uh, that's running uh, for November, December. I think we'll start new new uh, session in January. Um, then we have our speaker series as well um, starting, uh, and then we've got some other things that are lined up for 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 the for the new year as well. Yeah, I just want to kind of touch on touch on that a little bit. So, so the the women's speaker series, you know, highlighting you know you know the muscle of resilience and that. Do you feel that there are more impacted groups? Um, which is why you kind of focus on on you know, I, I guess the the women's side of it, right? Like the groups um, that are more impacted. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, there is um, uh, certainly lots of research, uh, and of course um, that uh, you know anecdotal evidence, uh, in, especially during this time of pandemic, pandemic, um, that women and and children and youth have been disproportionately impacted by uh, by. COVID. So dealing with things such as, you know, isolation, depression, sadness, um, anxiety, those are all very common. And so, again, that peer-to-peer -peer support, not the clinical intervention, um, but really that community base focused on wellness rather than illness. And, and I think that's a really important distinction. Um, if you take the I out of ill, illness, and you replace that with a we, it becomes wellness. So you transition from illness to wellness. And that's how, that's how our whole, um, that's sort of the basis of what we do. Uh, it's always moving people on a journey of come, feeling like they're, they're not doing well, but we help them move to a, a, a place where they're feeling much better and wellness is, is really the focus rather than illness. Tell me a little bit about that. So what, what's, the, what's the difference between, you know, a program that's focused on wellness versus one that's focused on illness, you know? Um, 
Aline, you want to take a, a stab at that first, and then I, and then I'll and I'll uh, share my thoughts. Sure, for sure. Um, I mean, the difference there is with if you're focusing in on the illness part all the time, um, you tend to see yourself going in and around a, a circle. Mm. So you're always so zoned in on the symptoms, um, the negativity that you you leave the group feeling either like more depressed, I would say, or focusing in on your own problems, right? Whereas if we focus it in on the wellness and give different methods of coping skills and um, provide activities, like we do a lot of uh, activity-based uh, groups at Mood Disorders as well, then they can come to a positive, safe environment where they know they're open to share their mental health stories out in the open, but we're focusing on a positive aspect. So they leave in a better mood. Okay. And just to add to, you know, Eileen, she, she explained it exactly, you know, uh, right. I, I don't know if I can add much more, but it really is again, meeting people at where they're at in their journey and helping them redirect um, their focus. Um, to make sure that um, we want to make sure that they're taking their medications. We want to make sure that they're going to the the, uh, the professional help that they need. We want to make sure that that all continues. But in addition to that, what are some of the other day-to-day um, -day things that they can do themselves? People helping themselves. That's what we want to focus on. So it's always a journey of wellness as opposed to a journey of illness. Sure. And I guess just to wrap up here, I wanted to touch on um, resources that students could use and some items that students might not be aware of that may be affecting their mental health. Um, so if you if you guys have any information that you want to kind of share on that just before we sign out, that would be great. Um, well, I would just say, you know, if, if you're unsure about anything, just first of all, call uh, Mood Disorders and we can help you direct to the, to, the, to the appropriate resource, especially if it's looking for clinical intervention. But I would say, um, you know, sometimes you just find the resources within yourself. Uh, you need to take care of yourself. You need to make sure that you are familiar with your, your surroundings. You're familiar with, uh, with the university and, and the things that the university provides. Um, things like, you know, many students would have um, parents who have insurance um, that have uh, employee assistance programs. And if they need that, that additional um, uh, professional support, they, uh, they can ask their parents to see if, if they, they would qualify uh, for those uh, additional benefits uh, as well. Um, but I think, you know, uh, things like having, making sure that you're connected with your faith groups uh, is, an, is an, uh, an important piece. Uh, making sure that you have uh, connections with family um, such you know, so our extended family that uh, even especially using technology these days, you know, not all of us may be able to celebrate Christmas in the in the same way that we have, but but let's get creative and let's uh, let's uh, uh, figure out how we're going to do that. Um, and and then there are there are lots and lots of resources in the community. You uh, mental health definitely is an area that. Uh, uh, People have recognized, it's, it's unfortunate that they recognize the importance of ensuring that we have resources in the community during this COVID, but it has definitely come to the forefront. And there are people who are out there in the community. We have sister organizations that we're working with who have lots of very specialized programs 
and we can help refer you to them and, and help you guide in that process. And Eileen, you wanted to talk a little bit more about things on campus. Eileen, by the way, is a student right now at the University of Manitoba um, in the uh, psychiatric uh, nursing program. Oh yeah, oh sorry, I was a student at U of M last year. Now I'm at, I transferred to Brandon University. Okay, sorry. No, that's okay, but I'm very familiar with um, getting access to help on campus. Um, I was struggling severely with my own mental illnesses um, when I returned to school in 2017. And I would just recommend students to get signed up with Student Accessibility Services. They do stuff such as extensions on exams. They give you um, more time. They communicate with your professors. Um, if you have to drop out of a class, they do plea appeals for you so you can get your money back given you have a, a serious mental health concern. I mean, the counseling services on campus are absolutely amazing. I don't know if my counselor is watching this, but she's at U of M, her name's Lori, and she helped me so much in ways that I never thought was possible. And um, if you are able to sign up with Student Accessibility Services and then get a counselor for yourself, then why not come to Mood Disorders and join in on our activity-based um, programs and listen to our Women's Mental Health Speaker Series, because it's a speaker series for all to listen to. And why not just provide yourself with that extra resources as much as you can get because it will help you. Well, well, uh, well, and yeah. and at, the, at the risk of dating myself, uh, you know, uh, I was a student many moons ago. Um, and I too, uh, especially in my first year, uh, being away from home uh, was, a, was a difficult one. And so I had to reach out and find resources. But one of the things that I found best was to really kind of engage with the other students who might have been experiencing similar, especially uh, you know uh, newcomers, um, and back in those days there were not a lot of foreign students on, on on our campus, but we felt that there was a need for us to connect, uh, and we 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 called it the we used to all eat together as well. We called it our, our United Nations table when we would all you know people from all over the world would come to that table and we would uh, eat, eat together. So you know. Breaking bread together, I think, is one of the best ways that you can heal yourself. For sure. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on board. We appreciate you guys, and we appreciate all the work you're doing. Um, and uh, and that's about all the time we have for this episode. You said your speaker series is up on your Facebook page. Yes. Um, yes. And it's on Facebook Live, and I encourage everyone to join in and, and watch. But, uh, yeah, that's all we've got for this episode. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Thank you so much for having us. Take care. Bye.